Welcome everybody to Cornerstone Church. This is another episode of Ask, where you ask questions and we answer them. We're gonna talk about what is the mark of Cain and also, is there a point where someone is so divisive in my life I need to disassociate with them? Great questions, let's get to it. All right, welcome once again. This is where you just go uh, to cornerstonebv.org. That's our website at Cornerstone Church. And you go to our uh, Ask page, which can be found under the media heading. And then you just submit a question that way. Super easy. Lots of you do it. Uh, and again, be patient because it may take a few weeks. We try to answer, you know, about three-ish, sometimes two, sometimes four, depending on the time. And so it might take a little bit. But we will get to your questions and we need them. It keeps this show uh, uh, diverse. Of, uh, yeah, diverse because uh, all different kinds of questions. Like one of them you'll see at the end today. Okay, so the first is that someone asked me recently about the mark of Cain, uh, whether it was a curse on the family and the generations to come. While the Bible is clear about the mark itself, I couldn't find clear information. Um, there does seem to be quite a bit of folklore and uh, made up information. Wonder if there's any biblical truth on this. Um, so the mark of Cain, right? So if you go back to Genesis uh, chapter four, Cain kills Abel and then uh, God judges Cain by basically kicking him out and he's no longer part of God's promise, God's people, but he can still live. And, uh, and Cain says, hey, you're, you're going to, um, they're gonna kill me, right, when they find me. And God says, no, I'm gonna put a mark on you. And this is basically says, leave Cain alone. And so he does that. Now, what kind of mark was it? Was it a scar? Was it some, we don't, the Bible doesn't tell us, right? Doesn't tell us. Um, however, lots of legend has grown from that, the mark of Cain. And, and, uh, and conjecture and theories and lot and, and none of them are biblical. We simply have nothing besides Cain was given this mark. And so from there we can, uh, I think, understand that this was not a generational thing, like his kids did not have the same mark. Now, do I know that for sure? I do not, because the Bible doesn't tell us either way. But, it, but there's really no reason to suspect they would do that, right? Why would they kill Cain's kids just because they don't have a mark. Um, now, why is this important? Well, one of the ways the mark of Cain has been used in a real negative light is uh, they believed that he changed his skin color and that's where black people came from. And the mark of Cain, therefore, some have taught erroneously um, that those of color are, have the mark of Cain and therefore are not uh, blessed by God and have used it, unfortunately and terribly, as a justification for things like slavery. And that was one of the things they said during the African slave trade was they have the mark of Cain, it's fine. Um, they're lesser in God's eyes. And so that's obviously horrible, that is not biblical, and no Christian should subscribe to that. And I don't think that's a big teaching today, at least I don't run into it. So I don't think it's, um, it, it, it's something that we necessarily to really worry about in the church today. Uh, if you come across it, make sure you squash it. It is not biblical, it's erroneous. Um, but uh, that's really where the whole mark of Cain and all the legends kind of came up. People using it as a reason to basically uh, dismiss an entire people group. You got to remember, this is pre-flood, right? So unless, and it's unlikely, unless um, one of uh, either Noah's wife or Noah's son's wives were from the line of Cain, even if there was something that was from descendants, it's gone today because everybody was killed in the flood except for Noah, Noah's wife. And we know Noah was not. Noah's a descendant from uh, not Cain, right? But Seth and the line 
you know, through that. So um, through God's people. So so we don't know it wasn't Noah's sons weren't, but it was Noah's wife and daughters, perhaps, but not likely. And therefore, whatever it might have been, even if it was passed on, it's gone. Hopefully that makes sense. But there you go. Okay. Number two, very good one. How do I discern when someone is divisive enough that I should stop associating with them if they are a Yankees fan? No, I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. Also, am I supposed to sometimes shun other Christians for sinful habits? Shun is a word I don't like. It's kind of like shunning you, you know, like. So let's kind of get to it. First of all, he, they gave a couple of scripture references. Um, Titus 3, 10, and 11. This is clear that someone was teaching within the local church uh, in Crete that, that Paul was writing to Titus, who was kind of dealing with issues at the church in Crete. And the, the, they were teaching erroneous false doctrine. It's causing problems <clears throat> in the church. And Paul's like, hey, look, you go to them, you get them to stop. If they don't, you, you've, you've got to set them aside. It doesn't mean shun necessarily. It just means you can't be involved in our local church because we have to protect the local church. Um, you know, we've had those situations in the past here at Cornerstone. Um, I remember a number of years ago, somebody was attending a Sunday school class, and they just believed really horrible false doctrine. And he didn't talk much, so we let him stay in the class. But as he began to, we would have to have a few conversations with him and say, listen, you can come to class, but you cannot speak those things. Um, it sounds kind of harsh, but we have the, the, the duty because there's people in that class of all different levels of understanding, and he could cause some real issues. And so you are not allowed to just come here and express whatever idea you want. You can go in the public square for all you want and go on the, online, put it on Facebook, shout it out in front of Fenway Park if you want, but not in our church, right? So that's kind of what, what Paul was dealing with. Now, 1 Corinthians 5 is um, more of a situation where someone was claiming to be a Christian but has overt, like, E easy to tell, right? Unrepentant, very important, that's why I stress that, sin, okay? And, and so the, the, if you look at how Paul deals with it in 1 Corinthians and of course how Jesus dealt with it in Matthew chapter 18, there's a pattern set up what to do with professing Christians. So this is not, as Paul was very clear to point out, those who are outside the church. Like we are not to avoid every single person who has unrepentant sin if they're not a Christian. Then we, we're never gonna be light in the world. So that's not it at all but it's someone who's in the church saying, I believe it's perfectly fine to, you know, have this affair or, uh, you know, whatever it might be. And so you, there's a process. You go to them, you bring someone else. If that doesn't work, you go to the elders, you try your very best to get this person to be in line with truth because that's what's best for them. If they completely refuse, you need to put them out of the local church. They're no longer a member. They're no longer allowed to fellowship with the church. This is called church discipline. Why is this important, right? In all of these cases, why is it important? It's important for two reasons. Number one, to love the person well. Hard, hard, um, tough love, as we might call it, is love. It is saying, look, if we just say, don't worry about it, keep sinning, it's like letting someone continue to sit on a railroad track with a train coming. We love you enough to say, get off the tracks. You need to be right with God. Secondly, especially when you're talking about a local church, as Paul was in both of those situations. Um, it is to protect the people within the congregation. The shepherds, overseers, elders, pastors have that job to make sure, hey, look, we're not trying to be jerks here, but we need to protect our people from erroneous false doctrine that creates divisiveness, okay? So how do you deal with someone in your life who's causing, who's doing some of these things? Well, you go to them, you try to see if you can get it 
um, squared away and dealt with. But ultimately, if you are at risk or they are causing problems for your life or your family's life, yes, you don't necessarily have to shun or publicly beat them up. You just say, look, until this is dealt with, until you can stop doing this, you need to be out of my life, right? And, uh, and you know, we want to be careful about doing this. We want to show people the love of Christ, but there comes a, a certain point where it is not healthy for them or us to have them in our, our close inner circle, okay? If you have any other follow-ups, because I, I, I'm not sure if that's exactly the direction you wanted me to take that, definitely please let me know, because that's an issue that could go all different types of avenues and, and directions. Okay, third one, really quick question. Uh, during Old Testament times, how did people get information news? Was it on paper or other material? Was it word of mouth? Was that the case during New Testament time as well? So how did we get news? Well, certainly wasn't on the internet, because they were better off for it. Right, uh, that's a bit vague, right? Are you talking about Genesis or First Kings? Both are Old Testament, but span many, many, many generations. Are you talking about, uh, when you're talking about the New Testament, you're talking about, you know, obviously the Roman Greek culture. Uh, so it, it, it definitely varied, right? For the most part, of course, even right up to the, to the printing press, most of your news was word of mouth. People would travel, tell you something that happened. And there were, there were a, some, in some cultures and situations, depending on, again, what you're talking about, there was some that were actually had that job and they were sort of a uh, traveling newspaper and they would come and they would tell people the news. And that's how you got it, the, the news. So um, as far as I know, Mark Zuckerberg didn't stop people and say, you can't say that, but uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe he did. And, and, and so uh, it, it really depends on the time and what you're, what you're talking about. But um, like in, in Roman times, they actually would send people with, to, with a, a letter from, you know, the government or something to read to the people. So sometimes they got news or got information that way. And, and so you can see even like when Paul writes his letters, right, it was meant to be read publicly to the church and even circulated to other churches. So that was kind of commonplace, uh, not just within church circles, but within news circles as you would get something brought and read and you would gather because you didn't have a newspaper, you didn't have a printing press. And so there wasn't a lot, you know, things were scarce. And so you needed to have something read or, or, or told to you personally for you to get news or information. Uh, you can certainly Google that. I'm sure there's lots of good books uh, written about that, and I'm no expert on it, but there you go. I did my best. All right, join us again next week on Ask. Join us in church either Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 11. You can sign up at cornerstonebv.org. We love you. Love your questions. Talk to you next week.